Hi, what's better today? You're listening to the Leadership Advantage podcast with me, Dr. John Kenworthy, and brought to you by Selsin.com. It's why some leaders thrive and others struggle. Now let's look at mindset. Carol Dweck's excellent book on mindset shows us that there are two dominant mindsets that people choose to believe of themselves and about learning and growth. Anyone who is involved in any learning and growth will recognize these two mindsets. The diagram here represents the two types of mindsets, and I'm sure you'll recognize the attitudes of many people you know. Do you believe that your mind can be trained and developed like a muscle? If you answered yes to growth, excellent. If you answered no, and you believe that you are the way you are, you can't really change, and your personality is something fixed. Well, you have more difficulties to overcome. Now consider how you typically face a challenge, something that is well outside of your comfort zone. Do you embrace that challenge? Yes? Terrific! Doubting yourself or thinking that sometimes yes, sometimes no, you may be avoiding challenges. How about obstacles in your life? When something or someone gets in the way of you achieving your goal normally, how do you respond? Do you persist until you get over the obstacle? Yes? Fantastic. You are going to love your success journey. Or did you think, not really, sometimes I persist if it's important enough, but other times I'll give up or find another way. Okay, so how do you feel about the effort you have to put in to achieve your goals? Do you see it as an opportunity to develop mastery? Oh, great. You are already on your way to success. Or did you answer, well, it depends. Or if it's not too much effort or anything similar. So what happens if I criticise you? Do you see this as an opportunity to learn and improve? Brilliant. No worries, you'll get plenty. Perhaps you've questioned what sort of criticism, positive or negative. Okay, what if the criticism is negative, but useful? How do you feel when other people are highly successful, especially in your field? They have achieved what you want to achieve. Do you feel inspired to learn from them or feel a little threatened by their success? Maybe even a little resentful and put it down to luck. If you answered affirmatively to the latter, you have some work to do on your mindset. Now, if your thinking was entirely on the growth mindset side, I believe that you will have fewer issues with forging success. If you were more inclined to the fixed mindset side or put caveats on the positive side, that's okay too. You'll just need to pay a little closer attention and may need to work a little harder on some of the exercises rather than the embedded thinking in your brain. As you may have realised, people with a fixed mindset tend towards the survival cycle and people with a growth mindset tend towards the creative cycle. Neither is right or wrong and the two mindsets exist simultaneously. There are going to be times when you are firmly in growth mindset in the creative cycle and causing your life to happen. At other times, you may find yourself a little more fixed mindset in a survival cycle and at the effect of the world and other people. We all live in a fallen world filled with some rather strange. Indeed, it could be your boss causing you to feel that way. But here's a little tip if you're thinking this. Your boss isn't going to change for you. Only you can change for you. What you have developed over your life is a bunch of automated routines. We call them habits. These are responses to situations that you automatically run without thinking. One of the most concrete examples of habit creation is driving a vehicle. When you first learned how to drive, and my apologies if you've never done this, or you have only just started driving, for you, imagine the first computer game you played. Your first ever driving lesson was a nightmare. You had to learn how to start the car, turn the wheel, press the accelerator, change the gear, Let off the handbrake, use the indicator, look in the mirrors, steer the car, check the mirror, gently press the accelerator whilst turning, whilst letting go of the brake, whilst... And then some idiot honked the horn and swerved past you as you were gently easing onto the road, 
screeches, lurches, stalling, and a white-faced instructor beside you in deepest prayer. By the time you took your test and passed it, your driving was still rather stiff and unsure. You had to keep remembering and deliberately thinking what to do next, then next, then next, and so on. Driving a car is a very complex business, but you learnt it. So yesterday, when you drove home, how much thinking about driving did you actually do? Not a lot is my guess. Depends how long you've been doing this and if the journey was familiar. But anyone who's been driving a familiar road for a while will tell you that there are times you get to your destination and you're not even sure how you got there or what happened on the road whilst you were out. It was all automatic. It required very little effort from your thinking or conscious brain. That's habit. The routines for driving are remembered by the basal ganglia in your brain. Once firmly established, thinking which is done in the neocortex, is not required for routine tasks. It's a good job, otherwise you'd have to think about walking, breathing, digesting your food, keeping your heart pumping, and a zillion other things you do every day without thought. Well, you have habitual responses to obstacles and challenges, responses that have worked for you mostly in the past, and these are your default or habitual responses. They will kick in without thought intervention by you. You will find yourself responding before you realize consciously that you've already responded. A habit has four components. There is a cue. For example, your driving habit may be cued by the turning of the key in the ignition, or it may be opening the car door, or anything else for you. Once cued, your basal ganglia takes over the running of the routine. This saves an enormous amount of energy. Thinking about driving every time would be exhausting. The second component is the routine. Whatever you routinely do without thinking, you just do it. If I asked you how, you'd have to stop and think a while and take yourself through the routine slowly to be able to relate what it is you do. Thirdly, you get a reward from doing the routine. In driving, you get to your destination. The fourth component only becomes a significant issue when you want to deliberately cause this habit to be a regular routine. It is craving. It's probably easier to relate this aspect with a different example. I love eating chocolate. I see a bar of chocolate in my fridge. I can just pick it up, eat it, and feel the rush of dopamine and serotonin. If I go without chocolate for a few days, there comes a moment when I crave some chocolate. So I go to the fridge to find my cue. A few years ago, I tried to rid myself of my chocolate eating habit. It is fattening after all. So I removed the cue. I stopped having any chocolate in my fridge. No cue, no chocolate eating habit. Only the craving didn't stop. So I would go to the shop, get chocolate, eat it, and then kick myself for my weakness. Removing the cue does not get rid of the craving. Ask anyone who's trying to quit smoking. The trick to sustainable changing of a habit, according to Charles Duhigg, who wrote The Power of Habit, is to keep the same cue and the same reward, change the unwanted routine. So I keep chocolate in my fridge. Currently, I have a lot of very nice Godiva chocolate in there right now. And I've taught myself to see it and routinely pour a glass of water, drink the water and feel the same reward of dopamine and serotonin. It's some pride and joy that I am behaving. Same chemicals, same result in my brain. So you never eat chocolates now? Not at all, I do. When I deliberately choose to do so, not out of a routine habit and unwittingly. Now, you will note that I did not say that this is easy. But with deliberately chosen and thought processing, you too can change habits. And indeed, we use the same principles to create new habits. The habit of reviewing your goals, for example. What cue will cue you to do so? What will be the reward? Then you stick at it deliberately. For how long, I hear you ask? As long as it takes 
The day you don't have to think about your new routine, but just do it, it's already a habit. Some will tell you it takes 42 days, which seems to be a common magic number for this. Personally, I think it varies and depends on both the person and the entrenchment of any pre-existing routine. The longer you've been doing something, the wider, quite literally, the neurons that connect the discrete elements of your habit. Think of it as an expressway. Whilst new habits formation, well, that's like slashing your way through a jungle with a machete. Eventually, that new path you create will become wider and easier, and eventually becomes the default choice. Why not just make a rule and obey it? That's the carrot and stick approach. Do good, get good, do bad, get beat. The moment that you put yourself under the law, you fall from grace. You are not choosing, but obeying. Brain doesn't like to obey rules. We have free choice and we want to exercise it, albeit within the realms of our own values. Some people respond better to having to do something. Others respond better to choosing to do something. I personally am firmly a choice person, but many of my clients like to have rules. If you find yourself questioning or rebelling against imposed rules, I would suspect that you, like me, are a person. There are four steps to deliberately changing your mindset and examining any habitual responses you have. This works especially well with procrastination, by the way, and works very well with fear of looking foolish, amongst several other irrational fears for people making a personal breakthrough. Step one is to learn to hear your fixed mindset voice. Maybe I don't have the ability. Are you sure you can do it? What if I fail? I'll be a failure. People will laugh at me for thinking I have talent. If I don't try, I can protect myself and keep my dignity. Have you heard your inner voice with these or similar statements? Learn to hear your inner fixed mindset voice. Obstacles will be there whatever you decide and whatever you do. When you meet a setback, your inner voice might say, this would have been a snap if I really had the ability. I knew this was risky. Now everyone knows how useless I am. If I back out now and make excuses, maybe I can regain my dignity. When you're criticised, you may hear yourself, it's not my fault, it was something or someone else's fault. Who do they think they are to tell me? Or maybe someone is giving you constructive feedback, but you hear, you are a great disappointment. I thought that you were clever and talented, but now I see that you are. What do you say to yourself when faced with an obstacle in your path? Imagine your next action for one of your top goals is something that makes you fearful. What are you saying to yourself? Step two, recognize that you have a choice. Realize that how you interpret challenges, setbacks, and criticisms is your choice. You can interpret them in a fixed mindset as signs that your fixed talents or abilities are lacking. Or you can interpret them in a growth mindset as signs that you need to ramp up your strategies and effort, stretch yourself and expand your abilities. It's up to you. So as you face challenges, setbacks and criticism, listen to the fixed mindset voice and you are facing resistance or an obstacle as you are trying to get a personal breakthrough. How are you interpreting this? As a sign that your talents, skills or abilities are lacking? As signs that you need to ramp up your effort, stretch yourself and expand your abilities? Step three, talk back to it with a growth mindset voice. How do you respond? Use your own words in response to the resisting self and speak them out loud, even if that's just muttering under your breath. As you approach a challenge, the fixed mindset says, are you sure you can do it? Maybe you don't have the talent. The growth mindset answers, I'm not sure I can do it now, but I think I can learn to with time and effort. The fixed mindset, what if you fail? You'll be a failure. The growth mindset responds, most successful people had failures along the way. The fixed mindset says, if you don't try, you can't protect yourself and keep your dignity. Growth mindset, if I don't try, I automatically fail. Where's the dignity in that? As you're hit, 
or a setback. The fixed mindset might say, this would have been a snap if you really had talent. Growth mindset would respond, that's so wrong. Basketball wasn't easy for Michael Jordan and science wasn't easy for Thomas Edison. They had a passion and put in tons of effort. As you face criticism, the fixed mindset goes, it's not my fault. It was something or someone else's fault. The growth mindset responds, If I don't take responsibility, I can't fix it. Let me listen, however painful it is, and learn whatever I can. Then in step four, you take the growth mindset action. Over time, which voice you heed becomes pretty much your choice. Whether you take on the challenge wholeheartedly, learn from your setbacks and try again. Hear the criticism and act on it now in your hands. Practice hearing both voices and practice acting on the growth mindset. See how you can make it work for you. Having completed this exercise, if you were more fixed mindset, you have overcome your first challenge. Well done. If by any chance you have decided to void this challenge and not filled in the worksheet, I urge you to go back and do it. It will help you. You've been listening to the Leadership Advantage podcast with me, Dr. John Kenworthy. If you'd like to find out more, visit us at selsim.com. It's why some leaders thrive and others struggle.